If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. I think they become the standard for our organization and for our players. I think they raise the bar. I think it makes it, it makes my job a whole lot easier as the head coach. But you know, they they really have shouldered uh, the development of a culture that's just so conducive to winning. Indeed, they have Mike Sullivan, except for the last four years in the playoffs, of course, when they haven't won a postseason series. But to this point, it doesn't appear the Penguins are comfortable with the idea of the Crosby, Malkin, Latang era ending. I am Tim Benz. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com, a rare Saturday edition. And we'll get to Chris Letang's new contract in just a second, the Penguins draft, and the latest on Evgeny Malkin. Swing for the fences on Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook this week when you make a first time deposit using the code DERBY on the baseball home run derby. Sign up is super easy with the Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook app or visit BetRivers.com. Deposit 100 bucks to receive a free Bet Rivers bet for home runs hit or deposit $250 and get the total home runs for the entire derby as a free Bet Rivers bet. This offer is valid July the 11th through July the 18th, so download the Bet Rivers online sportsbook app today. Use the code DERBY when you make a first-time deposit. Visit BetRivers.com to see all the latest baseball odds, boosts, and promotions running this baseball season. Bet with a winner. At Bet Rivers, presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Brewers over the Pirates continues to be the best bet on the board. Eight wins in a row for Milwaukee over Pittsburgh this season. 8-0 and 0 
is the actual record for the Brewers against the Buccos as well. A game that ended on a tag at home plate that never should have happened. I know third base coach Mike Rabella thought that this was going to be a case of getting the Brewers caught napping. I think he saw sort of a lazy throw in from the outfield from Andrew McCutcheon and Kevin Newman does have decent speed at third base. But I don't think O'Neill Cruz or Ricky Henderson or Vince Coleman, for that matter, could have scored on that attempt. It looked like Newman, I don't even think he was in the TV camera frame by the time the ball got to the catcher and the Pirates lose 4-3. to three. If you had them on the run line, though, good for you. Today, the Brewers are minus 265 with Woodruff pitching against Zach Thompson. That feels about right to me. Big line, but, you know, the Brewers have earned it with their record against the Pirates, especially in Milwaukee in recent years. I think the Brewers are a good bet, but it's going to cost you. Deserves to cost you. It's still minus 118 on the run line, although minus one and a half may be the way to go. I kind of like that bet for the Brewers today. A rare day when Shane Money McClanahan did not come through for me yesterday with a win for Tampa against the lowly Reds, but it wasn't his fault. He's been my human ATM. Helped keep the score low enough for the Rays and Reds so that the under hit, it was only 2-1 to one in 10. McClanahan, six innings for a no decision, striking out eight. I believe the total, though, was eight and a half. Just one homer allowed to Brandon Drury, who now is 18. If you want a parlay partner for the Brewers today, I was thinking about Tampa, but hey, how about Clayton Kershaw and the Dodgers against the Cubs with Stroman? L.A. is minus 265, just like the Brewers are. The Blue Jays are only minus 122 to beat the Mariners with Manoa pitching. Robbie Ray is out there for the Mariners, so the under may be wise at 7.5. One word of caution, though, Manoa has given up eight runs total over two starts, so maybe he's coming down to earth a bit. Wimbledon, Novak Djokovic is at minus 375 to win the final tomorrow. I'm still in on that one. The total games played is 39.5. I'm kind of leaning over, but I may just root for Joker to have a blowout, bet the under, and protect my money on the win side and try to double dip a bit. As far as hockey goes, I didn't see any lines on the NHL draft, and that's probably a good thing because if you went with Shane Wright, as so many expected to be the case, you would have lost. Logan Cooley and the Coyotes, that would have cashed in for you if you found lines on individual teams and who they might draft. Good for you. Cooley was probably a lock. Uh, He probably didn't get great odds on it, but... It turned out well for you. That feels like it's been a lock of a bet for months, and the West Mifflin kid becomes the highest drafted player ever from Western PA in the NHL draft. A little note here, Arizona opens PPG Paints Arena as the Pens' first opponent next October. Let's see if Cooley is in the NHL or if he actually takes a year to go to college first with the Minnesota Golden Gophers. But if he opens his career in Pittsburgh with the Coyotes, that would be one heck of a fun story. It took me all of a few hours to decide that the Penguins draft choice, Owen Pickering, is my new favorite hockey player ever, though. First of all, he's 6'4", 180, a good skating defenseman with size, reach, and offensive skills. Maybe he's the next Brian Dumoulin who can score a little bit more and be paired with Chris Letang. He's a real minutes eater at swift current, and I know projecting him to be a pair with Chris Letang sounds silly because he might need a year or two before he gets to the NHL, but... Geez, after Latang's new contract, he's signed here through, what, the year 2042? So maybe he does have a shot to be a defense partner with Chris Latang. But I also noticed this and learned this about Pickering. He's had a massive 
late-in-life growth spurt. As recently as 2019, he was only 5'7", 130. That's 20 pounds lighter and only an inch taller than me. So you're saying there's a chance. See, in the NHL, folks, I'm leaving after this podcast. I'm buying a pair of skates. I'll be in swift current tomorrow. That Pickering seems like a real interesting kid. He said that there's a family member or two on his dad's side that's actually 6'7 to 6'9, somewhere in that range. So this kid might go from Theo Fleury to Zdeno Chara by the time he's in the NHL. Plus, he did a Q&A with the Penn's Twitter folks, the Twitter feed, and he said his favorite activity is baseball and his favorite movie is Moneyball. I just hope the poor guy isn't disappointed when he gets here and he realizes the Pirates are never going to be the Oakland A's of 2002. They sure as hell aren't going to win 20 games in a row, and I just don't want him sitting in an empty stadium by himself at Pirates games. He's going to need some social interaction. I guess he was a really good baseball player growing up, actually. This is what his GM, Chad Leslie from Swift Current, told me. We'll hear that interview next week here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Plus, Pickering also says his hidden talent is playing the violin. I don't care if he's the illegitimate love child of Charlie Daniels and Itzhak Perlman. I just want to know if he can clear the crease in front of his own net. But we'll get back to him later in the podcast. Steve Mears joins us. He's the play-by-play voice of the Penguins on AT&T Sportsnet. Joining us over his wedding weekend. Congratulations to Steve. I just hope his marriage lasts almost as long as that of the Penguins with Chris Letang of Getty Malkin and Sidney Crosby. A four-way marriage that was made in heaven. Unfortunately, though, let's face it, it's long been in its golden years for a while now. And instead of just allowing themselves to have a friendly separation and all restart life, they're just going to stay married in first-round playoff misery for the foreseeable future. And why? Why? Because breaking up is hard to do. Almost as hard as winning a first-round playoff series, it seems. But that's the message here, folks. That's the directive. The Penguins are telling you that sentimentality and tradition and emotion and heritage and feelings are more important than winning by apparently doing everything possible to keep this core of players together instead of using some of that newfound cap space to rebuild around Sidney Crosby for the last three years of his contract. And by the way, he said while talking with Josh Yoey of The Athletic recently that he wants to play six years. And I think he's saying that because Latang got a six-year deal. But remember, at the end of the season, he only was willing to talk about the three-year window that was attached to the remainder of his contract with the Penguins. But now that Latang is forecasting six more years, Sid is saying six more years, which suggests to me that whether or not Latang is here after three, he wants to play at least three more himself. Unless it's just about playing with Latang and Malkin, and I can't see that being the case. Like, if Latang were to retire and Malkin were to retire, is Sid really going to say, you know what, I don't want to play hockey anymore if he thinks he has more good hockey in him? So you would have more time, I'm saying, to rebuild a good team around Crosby before he would want to leave in six years or so, which kind of makes sense uh, if you were to walk away in his early 40s at some point. Now, I don't want to be entirely negative about the Chris Letang contract because the deal itself is a lot more friendly than I ever would have envisioned. I feel better about Letang being here than I did 72 hours ago when I heard he was staying, but we didn't know the contract terms yet, and I never thought he'd come in for $6 million as a cap hit. I didn't think it'd be close. I also never thought that the Penguins 
would extend the life of the deal out for six years either, but I'm actually not put off by that part of the conversation. Like, let's get a couple things straight. The Penguins signed Chris Letang for the first three years of this contract to line up with Crosby. They aren't worrying about that contract when he's 39, 40, or 41 years old, when he has a modified no-movement clause and an actual cash payout of less than $5 million, even though the cap hit will still be 6.1. By that point, he may want out if the Penguins are truly rebuilding and still haven't won anything, and the contract will be much more of a bargain. They aren't worried about that. They can move that. If Latang slows down, then he'll slow down to being a really good skater as opposed to the elite skater that he is right now. He'll still be excellent on his blades. That part, unlike most people, doesn't concern me. The later years, I don't think, are a problem because they can get out of the back three seasons in one form or another. Flex it off, buy out the last year, eat a portion of it, trade him with a pick, you can send a draft pick with it, like whatever. What I'm worried about is the first three years, as I'm worried about it with Evgeny Malkin and Sidney Crosby <clears throat> and everybody else in the team. I'm worried that they really think that they are closer to making a significant cup run than they actually are. You can't keep blaming everything else for so long before you start looking at yourself. And the Penguins have looked at themselves and said, you know what, we're good. I think that's a mistake. Because let's, please, pretty please, not argue out of both sides of our mouths here. Let's not be hypocritical. Let's not be intellectually disingenuous. But I think some Penguins fans and some Penguins media members are doing just that. People on Twitter, bloggers, etc. And they've been doing it for the past few days. His momentum has moved toward keeping the core together, retaining Latang, continuing to negotiate with Malkin, even talking to Fleury about coming back, retaining to Smith, etc. The argument I heard against letting those guys walk is that even though you'd be freeing up $9.5 million from Malkin's contract and $7.5 million from Latang's contract, the team couldn't make all that much of a sizable dent in improving its roster for, quote, just $16.7 million. Okay, I don't agree with that, but let's say it's true. Let's say that is accurate. Then why are we now simultaneously gushing over Latang signing for only $6.1 million, and Gino may be signing for only $6 million as well. Rob Rossi suggested that, four years, $6 million each, or maybe three years, $6 million each, because what are you saving then? Seriously, what's the savings there? It's $12.1 million combined between the two players if Gino signs for six. They were $16 million before. So that's $4 million and change in difference. That's Ricard Raquel. That's a better Marcus Pedersen. Like you, you trade Marcus Pedersen or John Marino or Brian Dumoulin and get somebody like that back if you sign them, if you get a pick maybe for those guys. But, I mean, like this is stuff that they could have and should have done anyway if they let Malkin and Latang go. And they could have done both and even more. So don't let anyone use that lame-ass argument. It's so hypocritical. Like, you say you can't let Malkin and Latang go because what you're saving isn't enough to rebuild a good enough team anyway, but at the same time, you make it sound like it's a big damn deal that they're saving $4 million combined. It's four times less. And I love this argument, too. Tell me if you've heard this one, because I've seen it on Twitter, I've heard it on the radio a number of times. What are they going to do? Tell me exactly what they're going to do. Tell me 
what they are exactly going to do in terms of free agency signings or trades. You tell me, because Trocheck is going to be too expensive. They aren't going to be able to win a trade sweepstakes for Miller. And Lindbergh, he's going to be just as much, if not more, expensive than Latang. You can't say any of these guys when you talk about rebuilding. Like, that's what Twitter tells you. That's what some folks in Sports Talk Radio tell you. Okay, I admit it. I can't predict what the roster rebuild would have been. I can tell you that, at least in terms of Trocheck and Miller, I would have been interested in those guys. But how many of these same people, these same experts, who say you can't make a decision on who you know and whether or not they should be back, were telling you in 2009, hey, you know who the Penguins should get? Chris Kunitz. Get that guy. How'd he turn out? Pretty good, huh? I didn't hear, like, James Neal's name when they traded for him very much. No one was calling for Justin Schultz or Trevor Daly in 2015-16. Like, that's Ron Hextall's job. That was Ray Shiro's job and Jim Rutherford's job. Comb rosters, make phone calls, match numbers on the cap. They know who they like from scouting other teams. When the Penguins were dying to dump Derek Broussard, were the talk shows overwhelmed with calls to get Nick Bukestead and Jared McCann? Who was saying the name Mike Matheson out loud as return for Patrick Hornquist? Who was lobbying for that specific name when we all thought Hornquist might get traded? That's what GMs do. That's what Hextall is supposed to do. Like, was every market in the NHL, every newspaper, every blogger, picking out the exact trade package it would take to get Alex to bring it? You know, who was betting heavy money on Jagoria being traded to the Avalanche before the draft? All I saw was conversation about Marc-Andre Fleury. So, like, this whole notion of because it's not obvious in front of our face, you can't rebuild the team without Malkin and Latang is just asinine. It really is. But we'll get somebody else's opinions on the matter next. Steve Mears, AT&T Sportsnet. He's the play-by-play voice of the Penguins, and he joins us next here on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I don't know if I was worried. Obviously, at some point, sometimes you, you look that there's a lot of work to do, but never there was like a, a stoppage or uh, the, the two parties kept talking and it was constant dialogue between each other. It was cordial. It was, uh, so... Uh, it was long, but at the end of the day, uh, it's sometimes the process is just a little longer. Chris Letang on signing his new contract. He never thought it was all that much in doubt. And for a couple of weeks now, that's been the case. Joining us right now to talk about it is Steve Mears from the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast team on AT&T Sportsnet. Mears, you getting set to be married this weekend. Congratulations to him. He joined me on Friday as they filled in for Mark Madden on 105.9 on The X. Did I catch you recovering from the bachelor party? <laughs> that was a month ago in Lake Tahoe. I'm still trying to recover, but I think <laughs> I did a pretty good job. Beautiful out there, by the way. Lots of things to do. Plenty of time to recover. So, uh, yeah, it's a busy weekend, but uh, nothing better than talking hockey. Plenty of time to squeeze it in. And uh, especially here this week with the draft and free agency, it's a busy time in the hockey world. So uh, no better time to 
chat some pucks. Well, congratulations to you. I'm happy for you. And uh, like Thank you said, you. there's plenty going on hockey-wise as well to draw your attention when you have a couple moments to think freely. First and foremost, uh, let's talk about the draft pick that the Pittsburgh Penguins made. I will get to Chris Letang in just a second, but I'm fascinated by this kid, Owen Pickering. He's six foot four and about 180, 185 pounds. But in 2019, Steve, he was only five foot seven. He claims 130 pounds. Does this mean there's still hope for me for a late growth spurt? <laughs> Either that or he's going to end up like seven foot two. <laughs> it's just going to continue for him. Uh, yeah, there is hope for all of us, I guess. But, but yeah, a yeah, really interesting pick, interesting player. I don't know much about him as far as his background playing style other than what I think we've all seen on social media and some of the comments from the Penguins execs and from Ron Hextall and company. Uh, but the, the old cliche, I think Ron used it. He said, you can't teach size. And we have seen the league kind of migrate to back toward a heavier brand of hockey. And those things can be cyclical, but I do think that you do have to have some heaviness, some amount of size, especially defensemen when you're talking about reach, when you're talking about defense and playing physically, but you also have to be a puck mover in today's game. And it sure sounds like this kid can do it all. So uh, I, it's an interesting pick just because of what you talked about with the growth spurt and also the fact that it, it, it's somewhat of a project, but maybe he was a guy because of that who just fell off the radar and the Penguins have a steal here. We just don't know. It's a rarity for the Penguins to have a first-round pick. They only had two now in the last eight years because, of course, they've traded so many in hopes of winning Stanley Cups, so many of those first-round picks. So uh, I, I just think it's great for the building and just to be able to have some of these top-end prospects. He pretty much instantly becomes the Penguins' best prospect in their system, which we know is pretty thin. Is he potentially a Brian Dumoulin replacement? Yeah, that's what it sounds like, at least that type of a player. Uh, you know, it doesn't have these flashy offensive numbers as uh, like a power play type quarterback, but it sure seems like he is uh, on the defensive side. And as I mentioned, with the size and that reach, it's, it's an element you still have to have, even though this isn't 1998 anymore, you still have to have some of it. And that's one of the areas that I think the Penguins have to address and I, I've talked about it now for at least a, a season or two. They're too light on defense. You have to have some heaviness. We saw it in the Rangers series, which was a battle of attrition. And yeah, the Penguins, they did a great job fighting through. But you have to have some type of heaviness on your blue line. Because otherwise you just get run into the fifth row when you play a team like the Rangers or the Capitals or whomever it might be. So I look at that D, I see Dumoulin and Marino and Pedersen, and of course they have their strengths, but you have to have some heaviness in today's game, not just even on defense, but in the forwards as well. You have to be, to use a Mike Sullivanism, tough to play against, and it's not always, always about fighting or, or bone-rattling hits, but I do think there has to be that element in today's game to some degree, and all you have to do is look at the last few teams that have won Stanley Cups, whether it was Washington a few years ago, even the Tampa Bay Lightning have a huge defense. Colorado has some of that element when they won here. They had a lot of elements, but they had that as well. So I, I do think that's the trend right now in the NHL. And in this game, you have to have a little bit of that physicality. So if he's a while away then, Steve, can they go out and get some of that this year? Can they trade for some of that? Can they sign some of that? I mean, are they targeting anybody that's like that? Yeah, you, you have to overpay because every team wants that guy. I mean, everybody would love to have 
a Matthew Kachuk or uh, Colton Pareko. I mean, these guys, you're not going to be able to find. You're probably not going to be able to find them through free agency. And if you do, either through free agency or a trade, you have to give up a ton. But we're going to have to wait and see how this all fits because as Ron Hexel talked about yesterday, it's all about these puzzle pieces, right? Like trying to figure out, first of all, got to lock up Malkin. If that's the plan and that's what they want to do, they've got to do that. I'm sure we'll get into that. But now what do you have left as far as salary cap space? Who's going to be gone? What are some of those roster spots that need to be replaced? I wonder about players like Evan Rodriguez. He's probably priced himself out with the season that he had. And there are some other guys on the Penguins roster that need to be re-signed. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how those puzzle pieces all fit and then what's left for, Ju- for July 13th and for Ron Hextall and the Penguins to go out, maybe do a little bit of shopping and address some of those issues. Steve Mears with us, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tim Ben's in for Mark Madden Day on 105.9 The X. Steve, your opinion on the Latang signing is what? Given some of what you just said and given you know some of their needs that exist on defense, whether it's for a Latang-type player or not, what do you think about their decision to lock him up for six years? I love it. I love the cap hit. I think it's a fair trade-off. He gets the term and the team gets a lower cap hit, much lower than not only what his market value cap hit would be, but even lower than what it was last year. So uh, I think it's great for both sides. It's a very fair trade-off. Clearly, he was a priority, as he should have been as a defenseman. And let's not forget, as a guy who just had his career high in points, he had the fourth highest average ice time in the league. He was one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And then the fact that he's in unbelievable shape. All these guys are in very good shape. He's in unbelievable shape and could be one of those players that gets to age 40 and can play much later than expected for the average player. Uh, I love it. I I think it makes a lot of sense for the Penguins. makes so much sense for the cap hit in particular. And uh, Latang's got to be happy. I saw some people saying they left some money on the table, but you you got a six-year deal. Those things don't really happen for a guy who's 35. And then like, leading up to it, I wondered how this would all play out. You heard some things. People were saying, oh, he's going to Montreal. He's going to Montreal. He was never going to Montreal. Why, why would he want to do that? To go lose for five more years of his career? Like, there's no way. And like to not be able to go to the grocery store. Like, he knows how good it is here. He wants to stay with Sidney Crosby. They believe that they have another shot at winning a Stanley Cup. Very happy here. His family is happy here. He's in a great organization. Gets treated so well. So to me... I definitely thought Latang would be back. We'll see about Malkin, but I love the trade-off that it's a it's a good cap hit for the team and it's a good long-term deal. It's got to make Latang happy. Yeah, I think the fact that the cap hit is what it is has made people feel better about it who were a bit dubious of trying to reboot the whole thing for one more run, Steve. And I guess I disagree a little bit with the narrative where if there's a complaint or a concern, it's people saying, "Well, what's he going to be like at 39, 40, or 41?" and Uh, whatever it is in the back end of this deal. And my response to that is they they didn't really get him for the back end of the deal. They got him for the first three until Sid is done with his contract and then they reevaluate what they're doing right now. I guess my greater concern is uh, are they really making themselves better for this year or the next two with Crosby, Letang, maybe Malkin coming back. I mean, my gosh, depending on who you're listening to, were they talking to Flurry too? I mean, like, are, are they really doing anything to make themselves better than the team that's lost in the first round four years in a row? 
Yeah, I think that that's got to be addressed with the ancillary pieces, and that's kind of what I alluded to earlier about trying to beef up the defense, trying to find some more scoring depth, maybe trying to find some other bargains, which they've been good at. I mean, Dan Heinen was a good bargain that they were able to find toward the end of the summer or into free agency is a cheap deal. Evan Rodriguez bargain and ends up having a career year. I think they've got to kind of look at that direction. They've got to get a bounce back performances. If guys like Kapanen and Zucker are still in the mix, they've got to be way, way better and healthy for next year. Uh, and then de- defensively, I mean, there's got probably has to be some type of change there, whether it's shedding one of those contracts and that'll create some more cap space and then trying to find a different type of player which the Penguins don't have much of. Remember, they picked up Nathan Beaulieu, and he didn't get a chance to play, and uh, he's a free agent. But remember when they acquired him, they said, that's an element we don't have much of, some physicality on the blue line. So I think those changes are going to have to be addressed in other areas. But as far as the core is concerned, I think this core, now assuming they can re-sign Malkin as well, I think this core is still hungry, and all three players had very good years, even though Malkin, of course, missed the first half of last year. Uh, still a point-of-game player, and those centers who can put up numbers like that, they do not grow on trees. There aren't going to be that many, and every team wants those guys for center depth. So when you have one and he's willing to take, take hopefully, a hometown discount, I think you got to scoop him up. What would you think of the flurry conversation? Initially, I dismissed it. I really dismissed it when Casey DeSmith extended his deal, and then – when it resurfaced again yesterday in advance of him re-signing with the Wild, I thought, why would they do that after DeSmith? But then I looked and I saw what he signed for. I mean, he only signed for seven, 3.5 a year. That's what Jari's making. When I saw his cap number, I guess it made sense to me as to maybe why they were inquiring. But what does that mean for Jari? I mean, do you think there was anything with the Flurry conversation? Or where are they on Jari since he's going into the last year of his deal? Well, I, I definitely think they had to explore it, and not just for nostalgia's sake, but because he's been a very good goaltender and just a year removed from the Bezina Trophy. So uh, I definitely think there had to be some discussion, some conversation and possibility there. But for a Penguin team, for any team that's up against the salary cap, you just cannot spend six, seven, eight million dollars on your two goaltenders. It just can't happen. So you have to find – there's another area where you have to find some bargains. And in the case of Casey DeSmith, yes, he's had the injuries the last two postseasons, but he's been a serviceable player in his role. He's been good in his role and at a pretty cheap deal. So that's an area where you can save. I mean, this is, this is the game that has to take place in the salary cap world, and especially when you have star players who are taking up a huge chunk on the high end. You better find some bargains in other areas. So I, I just don't think the Penguins, no matter how it shakes out, they're not a team that can ever spend six, seven, eight-ish million dollars on two goaltenders. It just can't happen. Well, they can if Vasilevsky has a clone somewhere, or you know, right? That's the only. If they have a Shesterkin or something like that. And you like know that. what? You, you mentioned that, and, and I was reminded of this so much in the playoffs. How many truly elite number one goalies are there in the NHL? There aren't that many. Look at Edmonton and watching Mike Smith flop around and struggle in the playoffs, and that's a team that had very high Stanley Cup hopes. Even the Avalanche, Darcy Kemper, many wouldn't say. Now, he's going to be gone, it seems like. Many wouldn't say that he was an elite number well, one. Well, yeah, goalie. they there got Jagoriev, so and I like right. that move. I think they upgraded in goal. Yeah, they, there aren't that many. Yes, Shesterkin is one, 
and Vasilevsky is another, and, and for a while it was Carey Price, but there aren't that many. So when you have one, and the Penguins have one, they feel in Tristan Jari, and it's a shame he was hurt in the playoffs. They could have won that series against the Rangers. When you have one who, who did have a great regular season, was an all-star, you better lock him up, and then you can't spend too much on the backup position because the Penguins are a salary cap team. Finally, Steve, again, Steve Mears with us, AT&T Sportsnet, play-by-play voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Are you going to be calling Logan Cooley's first game, do you think? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, I think. Well, I mean, that was it was interesting how it all played out with uh, with the draft and Shane Wright dropping and uh, Slavkovsky going to the number one. I mean, it was it was unexpected. That, that actually was one of the more surprising first four, five, six picks that I can remember. I used to be at these drafts year after year at NHL Network, and uh, just you, you went in, everyone in the arena knew that who the number one pick was going to be, or one or two. You know, the, the one year was Taylor Hall or Tyler Sagan, and uh, another year was Nico Heischer or Nolan Patrick. But it was a clear-cut one or at least two. And this was wide open in the top, and that does not happen very often. Most of the time, it's a very clear and obvious number one, whether it was McDavid or Matthews or Ekblad or you can go on. Uh, so that it was very interesting. But, uh, yeah, he could absolutely make it. And that's kind of the trend that we've seen. And some of these players, they able to play in the NHL at 18 years old. Cole Sillinger did it with the Columbus Blue Jackets. He was barely 18 this past year. So I'm always in favor more of like extra seasoning. I think there's no harm in that, whether they go back and play college. Or, and that's apparently the, the plan with him. But Yeah, uh, I was just wondering if at like five, what is he, five foot uh, eight or something like that and 170? I mean, he's not big. Yeah. Five foot nine, 170. So like he, he might want to put on some size for a year in a Big Ten program, in a Big Ten weight room, uh, and then make more of an impact in year two. But right. the Coyotes, and you, know what? you never know. The uh, a great example is Jack Hughes, who as good as he has been, he's taken some huge hits, and I think he's taken some steps back a little bit with the Devils, and has gotten injured actually. And a perfect example there is that's a guy who did not play any major junior and did not play any D1 college, so he didn't play against older players. He went right from the U.S. program right to the NHL, and I think there's a big learning curve there just physically, and especially for him because he's smaller and uh, he's pretty scrawny, very talented, but he's on the smaller end. So I'm always in favor of more of the extra seasoning, whether it's in the American Hockey League, extra year of junior, go play the World Juniors, play at least one year of college, and then jump into the NHL, and I think you'll benefit from it. So uh, that that's always been my philosophy, and I think history has proven that over the years but uh yeah there are a lot of great players who've been able to jump in 18 years old and and play in the national hockey league and i, I think it's just incredible when you're going up against guys like Zdeno Ochara and a, a colton pareko or a jacob truba whomever it might be and uh and you're living to tell about it it's pretty amazing steve can't thank you enough for this i appreciate you making time on a busy weekend you're doing the honeymoon right away are you allowed to bring your phone and check in on free agency and trade week uh what, what are the rules and regulations here well, I had to arrange the honeymoon around three ice because Bob Aaron right. and yes, I are doing right. this uh, three ice all throughout the summer. And uh, next week we're going to be in London, Ontario. I'm looking forward to the Pittsburgh date at PPG Paints Arena. That's July 23rd. For those who don't know, this is a three-on-three professional summer hockey league, completely different rules. 
and it's all about skill and the, the thrill of three-on-three. Three. We like to call it overtime all the time. So uh, it's on CBS Sports Network. Check it out if you haven't already. But come on down to, to Pittsburgh uh, and, and the arena July 23rd because we're expecting a really good crowd, and, and the product so far has been great. We've seen some incredible skill, and I've, uh, I've rearranged the honeymoon right around the end of the regular season of that and then the uh, championship, which is in Las Vegas. So uh, I squeezed that in. But, uh, yeah, I've been busy with three ice. That's, uh, and it's a ton of Pittsburgh people, right? It's like Craig Patrick's involved, and there's a Trottier team and a Joey Mullen team and a Larry Murphy team. And isn't Bugsy playing too, Ryan Malone? Yeah, Ryan Malone is one of the players. Uh, EJ Johnston, the son of Eddie Johnston, is the CEO and founder of this league. And, uh, yeah, it's three on three. It's basically running time, no face-offs. It's all about speed and skill. And we've already had some ridiculous goals that have been scored. One of them was the top play on SportsCenter already in the third week of the league. A uh, guy picked it up named Brandon Hawkins. He picked it up uh, on his blade, did the spinorama, and did an extra spin, and then just put it in the top corner of the net. It was amazing. So uh, it's a really cool idea. It's taken off already just three weeks in. And it's uh, there's even talk about maybe making three-on-three hockey an Olympic sport and having this kind of a, a different brand of hockey, much like you see with basketball and three-on-three. So uh, I love it so far, and it's really fun. And uh, it's great to work with Bob Airy in, in the summertime and uh, to be around all those legends that you mentioned. I, I love the um, red line rule. I think that's something that should be adopted for the NHL, where you can't yeah. you can't loop back for a change and just possess the puck. Like if you bring it be if you have possession beyond the blue line, you can't bring it out to the red. Is, isn't that the rule, right? Or it's an yeah, there's turnover? no re, yeah no no regrouping. If you enter the zone, you can't double back, right. and that's yeah. the trend. And, and sometimes you have overtime. There's no shots anymore in the NHL because that's all they do is just puck possession and just circle in the neutral zone. So I think it's something the NHL is already exploring. We have it in three ice, and it's among many other really cool rule changes and variations. Like you can play it off the netting. The goalie can go anywhere. As I said, no face-offs. You just drop the puck and you go. So uh, you, you can kick the puck in. I mean, there's there's all kinds of neat rules that uh, should be explored by the NHL, and it just makes three ice an exhilarating style of hockey. So uh, we're having a blast with it so far. I'm missing this week. It's in Hershey this week, but um, next week we're in London, Ontario, and uh, looking forward to Pittsburgh July 23rd. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. We look forward to that broadcast. We look forward to that product, and uh, we look forward to uh, photographs from the wedding, too. All right? (laughs) Sounds good. Good talking with you. All right, so my thanks to Steve Mears. Like I said, I was in for Mark Madden on Friday. We'll have Madden Monday on our first podcast of the week coming up on Monday afternoon. Uh, We will also check in with Brian Metzer of the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network, and then I am off for a week Following our two podcasts on Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be back the week after as we get ready for training camp. God, I can't believe that's coming up. So need a few days off to recharge between the start of hockey free agency and the start of football season. And once we get into football season, we'll be talking about NFL betting futures, betting odds, individual totals, win totals for certain teams, all the stuff that keeps you interested beyond just going Sunday to Sunday in terms of your football gambling pleasure. That's on the way coming up next week on the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com.